Hello to all the rugby league diehards and welcome to another episode of Six to Go. My name is Tom Canfell and it's great to have your company. As we head into today's episode, you know how it works. We will cover six topics related to the game or even their own career. My guest this week is Michael Carianis. Michael is a journalist for the Daily Telegraph and this week broke the story of Reese Walsh to the Brisbane Broncos. So I've got him on to break down how it all happened and the fallout to everyone involved. Plus, we will discuss some state of origin news as well. Hope you enjoy our chat. Here's Michael Carianis. I'm joined by Michael Carianis as the next guest on the 60 Go podcast. Michael, how are you, mate? I'm well, well, Tom. How are you? Good, thanks. It's a pleasure to have you on. I've got six topics to cover with you today, and we'll kick things off with Reese Walsh. Reese came out a while ago and said he was committed to going to New Zealand. How did this come out now that he's off to the Broncos? Yeah, it, there's been a bit of a bit of movement, a bit of innuendo in the background. What for the last six or so months regarding Reese Walsh's long-term future at the Warriors, and he came out as you mentioned, Tom. It was what six weeks ago he came out, what two months ago, and he said, "No, no, I'm committed. I'm staying uh, with the Warriors in, in 2023. I'll, I'll travel to Auckland." But um, the situation, his personal circumstances change. He, he split up with the. The, the mother of, of his young child and, uh, you know, about six weeks ago, he, he confronted the Warriors and said, look, I don't think I can go to Auckland. Um, I need to stay in, in Australia to, to be close um, to, to his, his young child and, and that's probably how, how it's moved. Why has, it been, why has it that he's only been allowed to negotiate with Brisbane because clearly the Dolphins would have wanted to have a crack at him? Yeah, I think there are a couple of reasons there what the Warriors are saying. It, like, so, Reese made it clear that he only wanted to, to remain in Brisbane um, if he was to uh, get out of the contract. So, the, the, the Warriors said, well, we'll give you a conditional release. And, and part of that condition is that you can only negotiate with, with uh, the Broncos. They didn't want a circus. They didn't want uh, this to drag out in, in the public domain where Reese became a you know part of a bidding war between you know the Titans and the Dolphins and the Cowboys and whoever else might have been in. For, for his services, so they made it clear and uh, to that point as well. Um, you know, it, it, when they're negotiating a potential player swap, well, they can't do that with the Dolphins. They're just, you know, you, you, they're not going to give up any of their players. They don't have a lot of players to choose from, where Brisbane, obviously, an established club, lots of players that, you know, if they go down that path of a potential player swap, well, you know, that avenue is open to them. And what players will be going back to New Zealand in the swap? Uh, they're still going through that at, at the moment. I, I think um, Jesse Arthur's is, is potentially one. He's obviously with the Warriors at the moment, but he's been loaned out for, for 12 months uh, to, to the Warriors. He's supposed to go back to Brisbane next year, so I think he's probably uh, at the top of that list, and you know they might get it some sort of financial compensation as well. Do we know how much this deal is worth? Because I've seen various numbers reported, and a couple of them seem really low for a player of Reese Walsh's calibre. No, I think it's probably around that half a million dollar mark uh, at the moment. Don't forget, he's he's only nineteen. Uh, what's he played thirty odd first grade games? So I think you know it'll be an incremental deal um, around that to start off around that that half a million dollar mark and then work its way up. But you know nothing's been formally done with the Broncos yet, so they're still in the midst of, of trying to work all that out. Let's go through team by team and see how this affects each of the parties involved. We'll start with the Warriors. They bring in Chance to replace Walsh, but 
Let's be serious. This is a massive blow to the Warriors losing Reese Walsh. Where do you see their current status as a club at the moment? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think in the short term, I think Chance in the next 12 to 24 months is probably a perfect fit for, for where the Warriors are at. They they lack leadership. Uh, they lack a, a steady hand off the field. And, you know, he, he does that. He's a really good influence around the playing group. And with that young roster, I think he'll help them. Uh, a fair bit. He wants to be in New Zealand. He, he's a Kiwi. He's he's moving basically for the same reasons Reese has, has got out of his Warriors deal. He, he's got out of Canberra because his his young kids are, are in New Zealand. They're in Auckland, so he wanted to get closer to them. Uh, but you know, Reese Walsh has the potential to be a decade long, not only uh, first grader but a representative player at the highest uh, level. So uh, it's definitely a blow. Uh, but Chance, I think we we're, we're probably. A lot of people are probably disrespecting, uh, I guess, what he can bring to the side. I, I think in, in a bad situation for the Warriors, um, that was not their own doing. It's obviously Reese Walsh that wanted out. I think they've done the best that they can to, to try and get someone of Chance's calibre into the squad. Just on Chance for the second, we'll come back to the Warriors shortly. But just on Chance, now that he's signed with the Warriors, no longer committed to the Raiders long term, if the Raiders slide over the next couple of weeks... Could we see Chance move to a club in contention like uh, Tavita Pangai did last year, go to Penrith? And I, I'll, I'll, I'll pick an example for you. Now, the Storm are missing a couple of key outside backs long-term, mm. Xavier Coates and uh, Remus Smith as well. Chance can play on the outside backs. Could we see that move potentially over the next few weeks if the Raiders slide? I, it, my head hasn't gone there, but it, it does. It, you know, it could open up the door for that too. You know, if, if the Raiders feel like they're out of contention, uh, in the next couple of weeks and uh, a club, you know, loses a fullback, well, it, it makes sense. Lodge, Walsh, and you can even go back to Roger Tuovasa-Shek. Why, why do the Warriors not only have a problem producing talent, but when they finally get some, they lose it pretty easily? Yeah, well, I think we've got to just be, be careful in the way we judge the Warriors at the moment because don't forget, you know, you and Aiken, Matt Lodge, Reese Walsh, even Nathan Brown, the coach, all signed deals. Uh, thinking that they'd be in New Zealand for two or three years uh, at the very least. But these things, you know, circumstances change quite significantly with, with COVID. And, you know, in New and Aiken's case, uh, you know, he's got engaged now to someone that, that lives uh, in Queensland. So to travel somewhere for just 12 months um, probably didn't make sense for him. But, you know, if you went and he was going to stay there for, for three years, it, it does make sense. I, I, I can understand why some of these guys have wanted out of their deals. And um, it's a different world than the one that they agreed upon to, to sign with the Warriors. If you sign in normal times, if you sign with the Warriors and you didn't want to go to Auckland, well, you're an idiot, right? <laughs> there's, there's no, there's, well, you know what I mean? Like, there's, there's no point in arguing. Well, you, you just, you know, that's not a, a valid excuse. But the way that when these guys have signed, it was pre-COVID. It was when they had every intent of spending at least, you know, 24 months in New Zealand, that was the original plan, but you know things have changed. So I, I can understand what I can understand why their circumstances have also changed. The Warriors had a swing and miss at Christian Wolf. Now it's come out that they've hired Andrew Webster today. A uh, bit of a left field one. This, what, what do you make of the hire? Yeah, interesting, interesting. Um, Andrew Webster's probably gone about his business pretty quietly in the background for the best part of, of two decades now. He's, he's been in in and around a lot of clubs. He started in the UK and then spent some time at Parramatta, had an extended stint at the West Tigers. And I think it was two or three stints at, at the West Tigers and one where he was interim coach for a handful of games or two or three games for um, in between the Jason, Te- Jason Taylor, Ivan Cleary 
um, situation. He spent two years at the Warriors as Andrew McFadden's assistant um, and has spent the last couple of years at, at Penrith and following Ivan. Um, so he's a, a young guy, a young coach, but vastly experienced at the assistance level. And uh, he, he's one of those guys where the Warriors, whatever reasoning or, or whatever um, this means, but they were looking for an emerging coach. That's what they wanted. And I guess that's what they found. Out of all the coaching vacancies that have been have over the past few weeks, where would you put the Warriors as far as an attractive option goes? Uh, any like because they're they're based in New Zealand, their, their roster's not the, the greatest, and they've spent so much time away, and they've got to try and re-engage with, with the community. They're probably you know if you're looking at what the, the vacancies, so we're talking what the Tigers, the Bulldogs, and the Warriors. Yeah, they'd probably be. The third choice, just because they're depending on it, all depends on where you live and your family circumstances and all that sort of stuff, right? For a Kiwi, it would be number one choice, wouldn't it? But yeah. for for an Aussie, that's a Cameron Serrato or whoever, you know, Shane Flanagan or whoever else you, you might think is available. Well, it's probably their their third choice, or it's not a choice because those guys didn't put their hands up hand up at all to to land one of those gigs. Let's move on to Brisbane. This is a massive win for Brisbane. First of all, do they see Walsh as a long-term fullback or five-eight? Uh, it's got, I, I think he's signed to be fullback. Uh, he's still obviously very young. He's still nineteen. I think he turns twenty later this month. So he, he's got um, he, he's got time to transition into the halves. But uh, I don't see that happening next year or the year after. They, they've signed him to be their fullback. So what happens to Cobo now? He's re-signed, but it's you know you'd imagine he'd want to play fullback at some point down the road, and surely he won't stay on the wing mm. his whole career. Yeah, well, I think that's going to be an interesting conversation with with Cobo and Herbie Farnworth as well. I think he had eye eyes on a potential fullback switch. So um, you know it's it's too early to work out how that's all going to play out, but I think it's definitely going to heat up. Does this move bringing in Walsh affect the Payne Haas situation? I, I can't imagine we don't hear more about Payne in the off season and his contract dispute. I don't see it. They're not correlated. The you know Brisbane wouldn't have sacrificed Payne Haas to sign Reese Walsh. I think you know there may be other players that um, you know get moved on. Uh, well, you know there definitely would be players that get moved on before Payne Haas. Well, Payne Haas situation is totally independent of of Reece Walsh. Just how that plays out, I don't know. Um, but yeah, they're not correlated at all. Can you see Brisbane as as close as next year being a premiership threat? Um, no, I, w- I wouldn't say so yet. But there's plenty of upside in, in that squad, and you know I think they've su- well, they definitely surprised me this year. And if they can, you know, they should probably finish in the eight. If they can finish in the eight and jag a finals win this year, you throw Reese Walsh into the mix, you throw some of the other youngsters with, with, you know, more than 12 months of experience under their belt now, that you know, they'd be pushing for the top four next year. There's no doubt about that. They're, they're on a side, they're a side on the improve and, you know, hasn't been that case for the last three or four years at Brisbane. Let's move on to the Dolphins' point of view in all of this. Do you agree that this expansion club roster recruitment is a disaster? Uh, it's getting there. It's, it's, they just don't have, they've got a solid squad, but they don't have that superstar and, and that's what they lack at the moment. If you, if you, had what they've already recruited with, with two superstars, I think you'd be sitting okay with it. Um, but they don't have that. So that, that's a question that obviously needs to be asked of. Peter O'Sullivan and, and Wayne Bennett, and uh, you know, they haven't panicked, which is good, and they haven't thrown silly money at, at guys um, across the board. So that they, they've remained patient. But, you know, they've got to be a little bit anxious that pre-season training for them resumes or starts in October, November, and 
you know, who's going to play in the halves? Who's going to play at hooker? I know they signed Jerry Marshall King, but who's going to be that, that star quality that they're going to be able to build that club around and they just haven't been able to land one yet? People say they have a good forward pack. They're, most of them are over 30, and in, in the fair income department, a lot of them, their best days are behind them. Can can you even mm. see Cameron Munster wanting to join this club, or will it just be a point of the money is just so great, it, it's, it doesn't even matter? I don't know. I, I'm not sure how, how what Cameron Munster's going to do. I think the forward pack's fine. I don't think it's... It's another... It's like a forward pack that's lacking star quality too, because, you know, you've got some real hard nose players there, but who's going to who's going to bend the line? Will they be able to get 20-plus games out of all these guys on the other side of 30? I don't know. Uh, in, in terms of Munster, uh, I think there's definitely an attraction of returning to, to Queensland for, for him and, and leading the franchise, but, you know, it's a tough ask to go from what, what he's been used to at Melbourne to, to try and uh, start up or be part of a, a second year, because it won't be next year. It'll be, it'll be the second year franchise in, on, on the Dolphins. If you could go back in time to when the Dolphins were first introduced, what what would you change to allow them to be more competitive in the market? Because they've struck out every time when it comes to a marquee player signing, particularly spine players. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, I'm not sure. Do they do they need more time? Do they need two sort of off seasons uh, cracks at it? You know, is it was that part of it? Should they have been, uh, you know, preparing for 2024 instead of 2023? Maybe. That's it. That's probably the only way, unless you're going to hand them out some salary cap dispensations, and you know they can spend X amount over the cap to to uh, get players there. But then you're also getting players there for the the, the wrong reasons. Does that help in building culture and um, you know a sustainable business model going forward? I'm not sure. Let's move on to the West Tigers. Luke Brooks fired some shots in a press conference yesterday, and I think good on him for what he said. Can can you see him being there next year? Um, I can definitely, yeah, I definitely can. I think it's going to be a, an interesting conversation for the new coach. Tim Sheens is a huge fan of uh, Luke Brooks, and if it wasn't for Tim Sheens, Luke Brooks would be running around in a Newcastle jersey this weekend. So, um, you know, he he basically stopped um, Luke Brooks from departing the club during the off season uh, to get that release and going to Newcastle. That was very close to being done. So, I, I think you'll find, you know, Tim Sheens is a huge fan. Whether the new coach is of the same opinion or not, I'm not sure. But they obviously have Adam Dewey, uh, Jackson Hastings and Luke Brooks all off contract at the end of next season. Is Tim Sheens a realistic possibility to coach this team again? Yes. Yep. He's, yep. Believe it or not, yep. They were, you know, the guy that they sacked 10 years ago might be back. But that's what the that's what the Tigers do. They've done it with Robbie Farrow. They've done it with um, Benji Marshall. You know, they, they bring him back. So who knows? But yes, he's definitely a chance of coaching the West Tigers next year. If he was to do that, you couldn't imagine it being a long-term thing. Uh, you'd have to think he'd have a, uh, a an assistant coach there who he'd be, you know, preparing, ready yeah. to go, wouldn't you think? has to be, yeah. That, that's the plan. That, that, that's the plan. There's no doubt about that, that if they do sign um, someone of, uh, or if they do go with Tim Sheens, they'll have to sign someone underneath him that they feel like is going to be his successor. In, in three years' time, I'd say you'd probably give Sheen's, you know, 24 months at the helm, uh, wear a few bullets, get all those youngsters ready and, you know, in an ideal world, have that, that coach ready to go in the third year. It's just remarkable, isn't it? The coaching carousel of the Tigers started with the departure of Tim Sheen's. Could, end, could, could end there. Uh, on the subject of coaches again, can we rip around to the other two, oh, I suppose, the Tigers? Do you, do you think Tim Sheen's will be the coach? 
don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't, but I wouldn't be shocked if he is a coach. I'll like put it that way. It's not going to. It's not out of the realms of possibility. Um, you know, I don't think Brett Morley is probably uh, done enough to to keep that job. If it's if it's me, it might be someone like a John Morris uh, with, with, with Tim Sheens working closely with him. Um, but it just depends on that desire of Tim Sheens. But you know, I'd say he'd be favourite at the moment. Andrew Webster to the Warriors. We've already spoken about that one, but the Bulldogs, has there been any uh, news on who could be a front runner there? No, they've been a bit quiet at the moment, the the Bulldogs. Um, I'm not exactly sure. I think they're still in the mix with Cameron Serraldo. Um Whether that uh, eventuates or not, I'm not sure. But um, yeah, Christian Wolf, Cameron Serraldo, they're probably the two names being mentioned at the moment. Is Freddie an option? I wouldn't think so. I'm I'm not sure though. It's hard to um, predict anything that Phil Gould's going to do. So I think if he is an option, obviously that will happen at the end of the Origin series, and maybe that's what what Gus is waiting for. And Justin Holbrook at the Titans, obviously under the pump. Can you can you see him being there next year? Uh, well, all reports are that that he won't be. Um, I'm not too sure about what really goes on 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 the uh, at the Titans. I, you know, it's not a club that I that I track closely in terms of my day-to-day work but uh, from the outside looking in they've been disappointing but they're, they're the, what's cost them is what, what they've allowed to occur with their player recruitment and retention and some of those decisions have been brain dead and you know it could cost Justin Holbrook his, his coaching career. Well what did they expect Michael? I, I, I've spoken about this before like the, their, their spine just just on the basis of youth alone it's in, it's in a photo yeah. finish for the worst spine in the comp. It is, yeah, and I, I was quite critical. I, I didn't have them anywhere near my eight to start the year because I just didn't think that they had the players in, in those key positions that were capable of, you know, stringing games together. And the problem with, that they've got is, is like, you know, Jaden Campbell's a really good player. AJ Brimson's a really good player. Toby Sexton looks like, you know, he had glimpses last year of, of, of being a good player. You know, they don't really have a, a first-class hooker there, but they were so worried about... Um, you know, these young guys and, and paying overs for, for some of them rather than going, okay, we've got Jamal Fogarty, he's a guy that is a steady hand. You know, he's nothing brilliant, but he's a steady hand. He's the captain of the club. He's a guy that we can build around with those young guys. And, and you know, they should have kept him and maybe made a, a tough call on one of the youngsters. But it was like they were too worried about what one of these youngsters could do elsewhere, uh, which has impacted their side and, and sees them sit at the bottom of the ladder. Let's finish off by chatting about State of Origin, and, I'll, and I mainly want to focus on selections here. Now, by every metric, Regan Campbell-Gillard is and always has been, especially in recent times, a better player than Jordan McLean. Now, I know Jordan McLean has been ruled out just in the past couple of hours of Origin 3, which is mm. which is a sad story in itself. You know, he gets his debut and then uh, gets out through to injury. But then they bring in someone like Jacob Saifidi, who I would argue the exact same point for Regan Campbell-Gillard again. It's it's not like he's in an awful awful team like Josh Addo Carr's excuse. Why have they gone with McLean and now Jacob Saifidi over Regan Campbell-Gillard? Yeah, well, there's obviously an issue personality-wise. There, there, there has to be. I don't, I don't know why uh, they'd opt against um, bringing Regan Campbell-Gillard in as a, that emergency player and a guy that's played Origin. I know he's only played twice, but you know he's played for Australia. He's played in plenty of big games. And uh, to head into an origin decider, particularly with, with someone like Jacob Saifidi, I, I'm surprised. I, I would have David Clemmer ahead of of Jacob Saifidi at the moment. I think David Clemmer's had an outstanding season as well, but he probably suffers from something similar to what Regan Campbell-Gillard does in, as part of that New South Wales hierarchy. For whatever reason, they don't really rate him. You must be right, Michael, because I, I, I thought 
he was Regan Campbell Gillard was in New South Wales top three or four players in game one. I thought he was outstanding, and um, yeah. now he's been sent to the land of wind and ghosts. Uh, do you think his rep career is over because you know it, it doesn't look great at the moment? Oh, his rep career seems to be over as long as Brad Phillips is the coach. I think that's probably fair to say. Um, I know Mal Meningas has a high opinion of him. He's picked him in the Kangaroos before, so um, Mal's shown that he's not influenced by what happens you know, at state level at times in terms of players that he likes and if that had done the job for him in the past, he'll still pick him. So, you know, I wouldn't say his, you know, rep, um, career has closed completely, but, you know, in terms of, of New South Wales, potentially so. It, it's interesting that you say that because would it shock you if in the Australian team was Regan Campbell-Gillard and Josh Adokar? Probably not, would it? No, and Jake, if, you know, if there was a, if there was a, Test match after Origin one, I wouldn't be surprised if Jake Travoyevich was picked either. Well, there you go, there you go. Uh, Jack Whiten, uh, would you have found a spot for him, and if so, how would you have done it? Uh, it's tough. I wouldn't have had him on the bench um, just because of the way the makeup of, of that New South Wales bench with Damian Cook there. I like the impact that Talakai and the versatility that that he has. So if you don't feel like um, uh, Jack Whiten can play on the right hand side, which I probably think he could. Um, there's probably not a spot for him, and Matt Burden's pre- you know predominantly a, a left-sided player and doesn't you know shift too far from that, so he was comfortable there. But I would have seen if if he could play on that right-hand side for Stephen Crichton. Are you surprised Queensland went with Tom Gilbert over someone like David Fafita? Now I know the Titans have been atrocious, and I get that he's only had one game back from injury, but. In a decider, if you just needed him for 25 or 30 minutes at the back end, that would be a pretty big bullet in the chamber for Queensland. Yeah, I think it comes down to something, uh, probably faith, I, I guess, and belief that David Fafita could do the job, and they probably just don't have that. You know, we've seen him be so erratic at times throughout his career, and in a decider, like, you know, ideally you'd say yes because of the impact and thrust that he could have off the interchange bench, but, you know, we've seen him at, at his worst at times, and, you know, Maybe they just thought it was too much of a liability carrying an origin fighter. Well, Mick, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Hopefully it's not the last time. Oh, good, mate. Thank you. A big thanks to Michael for coming on the show today, and you can catch all his work on the Daily Telegraph website. By the way, if you want to get in contact with me, you can on Twitter at TCanfell, and don't forget to give the 60 Go Facebook page a like as well. My name is Tom Canfell. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. And until next time, this has been the 60 Go Podcast and that is full time.